You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. I'm excited to be together, and I'm excited to be with you this morning in this uh, chance to, to worship. Remember, remember, if your theology is right, this is the best time of your week, all right? Because you are gathering as the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, and the family of God, all right? Let's see your sports team try to match that, all right? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So when our theology is right, we are so blessed and privileged. And on top of the awesome grace of the church, uh, this week we woke up with an extra hour of sleep. How about that, eh? So you can high-five somebody beside you, give them props and say, yeah, daylight savings time. There you go. Daylight savings time. There you go. Greet someone in that. Thankful for that. It's true. And a few more people at this service I noticed too than maybe normal. Who knows? Who knows? So um, so encouraged by this past week um, at Stand Firm. And to top that list is, and I mean this sincerely, is the heart and grace of our people of Hope Church. Um, the impact of those who served was absolutely outstanding. Um, probably the most frequent comment I got from the hundreds and hundreds that were here from all over the world was you. Um, so on behalf of the elders, I'm just super, super proud of you. I'm super, super thankful. Um, we had um, uh, the newly appointed president of the GCC, which is the Association of Churches we're a part of. Dave Harvey was with us. And uh, Dave was just so encouraged by this church uh, to the point he wanted to write a letter. And I want to read it to you just to encourage you. He says, hey, Hope Church family, my name is Dave. I'm delighted to say that I was among those who attended Stanford Conference this past week in my new role as president of the GCC. I'm writing to say thank you, yet somehow those words don't quite capture my depth of gratitude for the gracious hospitality you showed those who took part in the conference. So if you'll indulge me your moment, I'd like to encourage you a bit more specifically. This is fun. From the first moment I drove in the parking lot of Hope Church, I was met with energetic smiles and marked enthusiasm from parking attendants. These folks were excited uh, to serve those who were attending the conference as the people arriving to, to participate. Their infectious joy set the tone for each meeting that followed. It was absolutely contagious. I love that. Greeters at the entrance then raced to welcome us and ushered us into the beautiful space so purposely and lovingly prepared by our local church. One greeter actually had pom-poms. Awesome. <laughs> Cheering us ahead into an experience none of us will soon forget. Once inside the building, the kindness continued. A smiling blue clad as the t-shirts they wore. Long-suffering servants made sure we all had the information we needed and ushered us to the right places at the right times. The joy in the faces of each person involved in that process just seemed so delightful to me. There was just something beautiful in the way you gave yourself to serve leaders you don't even know. Then came the worship. We were led by skilled musicians who were themselves, were caught up in the content they were singing, and your pastors embodied God's heart each time they stepped onto the stage with microphone in hand. In short, Hope Church, because of you, each attendee to the Stanford Conference was led, served, loved, encouraged, challenged, and fed. All because you have a vision to exist for something outside of yourselves. It's something God-honoring and wonderful. I know there are a thousand other people who experienced your love this week that would pile on to affirm what I am saying. So thank you from my heart. Thank you. In the wake of something beautiful, thank you. On behalf of Great Commission Collective, thank you. With respect and affection, Dave Harvey. That's awesome. Thank you, church. Um, that is such a, a joy, a joy, joy to be able to read from others. And again, so proud of your part within this. You have to understand, uh, by God's grace, we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And I want to remind you, too, the whole Seek First campaign, the whole Seek First campaign allows us to continue to do stuff like this and be generous to others in the midst of what's happening. So in our day, man, these things are so, so 
um, important. So thank you for allowing me the time just to read that in detail. All right, let's get our Bibles open to Acts chapter 3 now. Acts chapter 3, and here's our sermon title, uh, The Author of Life. The Author of Life. I, I love that phrase so much. I love that truth and that title so much. The Author of Life. The Founder um, of Life. The Originator of of life. All of this will be explained to us today from God's Word. Um, our passage today will define the meaning of life. Like for real, that's going to happen today. It will detail the purpose of life. No joke. Our text will declare today the one and only source for life. There's no exaggeration or embellishment in that statement. So if you find life dull, boring, confusing, lonely, dissatisfying, empty, or miserable, and you are about to be confronted with meaning, purpose, joy, eternity, victory, and eternal satisfaction, take that, all right? Let's see your shot of espresso. Include that in your daily routine. It's not going to happen, all right? Pastor Earl last week wonderfully taught us the story of the lame beggar who was healed, uh, being 40-plus years old and being lame from birth. He had been miraculously healed again by no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. So what happens now, we read in our text today, that people, the people are astounded by what they have seen. They are forced to explain and to try and comprehend what just happened. Uh, their minds are blown by, by, by what they see and trying to understand how God is working or even how do they put this into their own context in terms of the natural and the supernatural. This is what we walk into as we look at verse 11. While he, the beggar lame that was just healed, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded. Okay, whenever the Bible has a phrase like that, utterly, like not just astounded, utterly astounded, the Bible is going out of its way to tell us this was a pretty significant deal that was happening. They ran together. They didn't walk. Just, just picture this. Live in the text. They're running together in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, uh, we have made him walk. Now, Again, I love to put myself in the text. I always encourage you to do the same. Again, to try to imagine what utterly astounded looks like. Expression on their faces. Did they talk? Did they just gasp for breath? Were they just kind of staring in disbelief? Were they fired up like crazy to try to make sense of what was happening? Again, to imagine what running together in amazement looked like to uh, people totally baffled at what they could not deny, and yet they're trying to comprehend this, this lame beggar they had seen for years and years and years and years and years, and they knew from birth he was that way, and then all of a sudden his muscles and his, again, ligaments all been strengthened, and he was walking and standing and leaping and praising, are you kidding me? And they're trying to put again into context as to how, to how did this take place. Now what they're about to find out, okay, and we know this, a full 2,000 of them, in fact, if you look at chapter 4, verse 4, 
Chapter 4, verse 4, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So at Pentecost, 3,000 were saved. 5,000 men, so we have to then assume women and children as well. Thousands are coming to Christ again. So this is what they found out then. This is what they're about to understand in this moment for the first time ever. Point number one is this, the power, the glory, and the life in Jesus, okay? These people, for the first time ever, are going to fully understand for their own lives and hearts the power of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, and life that is only found in Jesus. And again, I want you to understand today, all three of these things are only found in one person. Our world is desperately searching for power and glory in life. And our world will always come up empty until they turn to Jesus. Because in Jesus is power and glory and life. So the people's minds were blowing. They witnessed this lame man who is healed and they take such profundity and wonder and they have to try to place it in a category of some kind. And their first response, notice from our text, is to try to take the wonder of this miracle and to um, attribute or to place it, again, in the praise of men. They try to turn it to Peter and the disciples and say, you did this, you must be the one worthy of the praise. What I love about what's happening in the text here is, again, when our world sees something supernatural and recognizes the glory and the wonder of what's before them, and they try, they have to give an explanation for it. Um, In recent times, um, in recent weeks, um, Kanye West, Kanye West, again, famous rapper, hip-hop guy, whatever, I didn't know much about him before, Um, look into him now, He, he is testifying to a profound conversion to Jesus Christ, and as I dug into it a little bit deeper this week, man, I, I think for what I can do, it, it seems, I, pray for him, man, it looks legit. This guy is gone from whatever he used to be, whatever now, he's, I don't recommend anything before Christ, he's saying, okay, I don't even know, I haven't heard anyone, okay, I'm just, right now, Pastor Robbie said, no, he didn't, no, he didn't, no, he didn't, okay, no, he didn't, okay, okay, but he came out with an album just recently, a couple weeks or a week ago, Jesus is King, and I, I watch interviews, man, he, if there's, I don't know a guy in our world right now, at least North America, who is more up against the forces of the devil and darkness and is standing in the face of it all and saying, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. And the world, these interviewers, these like late time guys, they're standing beside him and they're kind of like, ah, ah, ah. So are you saying you're born again? They don't even know what they're saying. But they're trying to put into a category, what happened to you? I love it. Pray for him, pray for him, okay? Pray for him, man. Pray for him. Who knows what the Lord will do with this? Um, but it's amazing to me. I got to love watching them. We're trying to fit in and explain, and they come up with all their things. But it's awesome to say you cannot explain anything like these things except in the category of Jesus Christ. Now, know what Peter does immediately. He's so filled with God's Spirit. Now, remember, how do we know we're filled with God's Spirit? When we're filled with God's Spirit, we exalt Christ. We're never filled with God's Spirit and exalt man, right? You're filled with God's spirit, and you just desire to honor the Lord. So look at verse 12. Verse 12, and when Peter saw it, he's like, are you crazy? That's my translation. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk. Translation, Peter's like, you think we could do this? You think our power and our glory was able to heal this lame man? 
Au contraire, mon frère, okay? I'm not sure if Peter spoke French, however, it was nearly after Pentecost, right? God's given out all sorts of different languages, right? Right? You never know, you never know, okay? He's like, hey, it's not us, it's not us. It's the Lord Almighty. Now look at verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, he says here. Now, notice how quickly Peter goes to Jesus, the Lord of glory. He doesn't let them sit for like a moment in giving him credit that is not his to take. But notice what he does next. Look at verse 13 as well. He's like, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, servant Jesus. Notice, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life. Now, wow, okay? Notice Peter's boldness in confronting their sin. See what's happening there? This is a major moment in the life of the early church here again. Like another, a minimum 2,000 people are getting saved in a moment, probably much more than that. God's Spirit is working so powerfully. Peter's like, listen, Jesus is the one who's responsible, but you and your sin, you killed him. So this is a, again, a, okay, so, so if, if you're one of the people, you can live in the text, you're one of the people who's about to be saved in a couple of moments, and you see this healing, and Peter says, Jesus, Jesus is the glory, and you're like, wow, man, I'm starting to connect the dots here all of a sudden because the Holy Spirit's working in you. And then Peter says, and you killed him. And you're like, oh, no. Right? But like not a joke. Like You're like, Oh, and the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, yeah, you, you did kill them. You killed. You're like, oh, oh. And so just like in this moment, and you're, not, you're not fiddling with your phone texting people. You're not kind of checking the weather. You're not kind of just looking around. What's, you know, you're, you're, you're dialed in, man. Your Holy Spirit, he's got you. He's got you fixed and transfixed. And you're sitting there, pin drop, not a, not a, not a sound. People probably holding their breath. Like this is one of these moments right here in the text. Because God's so powerfully working among people, both in the glory of Christ and the conviction of sin. And you're starting to see, this man was healed. This man was healed because of the glory that is found in Jesus Christ. And so Peter, right now, he's under the school of preaching of the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit's his professor, okay? And so like any strong uh, spirit-led preacher will do, right? What I, he exalts Christ. And now he humiliates man. That, that, do you realize that's what effective preaching does? It's the exaltation of Christ to the humbling or even the humiliation um, of man. That's what authentic preaching is supposed to do. Why is that? Here's why. Because there's no true conviction apart from, there's no true conversion apart from true conviction. There won't be, unless there's conviction, there won't be conversion. You know, I think about in our day, there's, such a hesitancy to preach on sin. There's such a reluctancy to speak of the depravity of man. Um, there's the ongoing temptation to tickle ears with soft truth. Uh, there's so much preaching that is in the fear of man and then absent of the fear of God. And people think they're helping people when they do that. And yeah, you may be liked by a few more people, but at the end of the day, you're, you're not being faithful to the gospel. Because until humanity recognizes its need, their need for Jesus Christ because of the devastation of their own sin, they can never truly be saved. 
So how does Peter do in this regard? Now remember, Peter is a lowly fisherman and has zero credibility apart from that he has the Holy Spirit with him, okay? So again, look at verse 13, okay? Halfway through, he says, you delivered over and denied Jesus. You delivered Jesus over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. Okay, so I give Peter a pass in terms of boldness here, all right? He's doing pretty good, okay? Notice, you delivered, you denied, you killed the author of life. So, the Holy Spirit is blowing people apart in this moment. We know that by the end. We know that. So can I, I just picture with every phrase that Peter says, the people's pride and their devastation kind of grows, and they're lowered with each statement. You delivered Jesus. Oh, you denied him. Oh, you killed the author of life. And there's just the, the brokenness and the personal devastation starts to set in. And the people, some of them probably started to whimper. Like, I, I kid you not. Probably started the seeds of just contrition and personal devastation at the reality of what they had done. And notice Peter says, and you asked for a murderer. That's speaking of Barabbas. Before Pilate, you asked for a murderer to be granted to you instead of Jesus. Okay, that is probably one of the worst decisions of all time. Uh, would you like Barabbas or Jesus? Uh, Barabbas, please, you moron. Okay? What are you talking about? But this is what sin does. Would you like eternal life or would you like some thief? A thief, please, you moron. Telling you, like, this is what our world does. Would you want Jesus or you want death? Death, please. You moron. Can I keep saying that? I'm sorry. Am I offending anyone? I'm sorry. But the reality and the totality of what's happening here. Uh, you want sin or you want forgiveness? Sin, please. You want hell or heaven? Hell, please. This is what our world is doing in the millions. In the millions and billions. Choosing death over life. It's the dumbest decision ever. And Peter's like, this is what you chose. And again, I can only imagine, only imagine the brokenness setting in here, the stupidity and insanity of choosing Barabbas over Jesus. But listen, hey, and I hope like as much as I'm like smashing the people here, in the, I mean, I'm just like, man, for decades, I chose Barabbas over Jesus. And so did you. This is, this is the devastation of sin and blindness. Sin is so devastating. Um, there are men right here in this room that you're, you're, you're on the verge of doing something utterly destructive to your marriage because you're so dumb and dead in your sin. There are women here right now, man, you're on the verge of uh, seeking some kind of lifestyle that is going to absolutely wreck your heart and affection for Jesus Christ because you're so dead and dumb to your sin. That's what sin does. It blinds us entirely. It ruins us. And that's what Satan wants. But this, I want you to see here, okay, like Peter's like, hey, listen, you, you, you killed the author of life. But he's like, but you get a second chance. And you're like, really? Like, really? Well, this is what happens. And you're here right now, and you've killed the author of life because of our sin. 
You get a second chance as well. This is, this is the marvel of this. Peter's not done here. He says with this final laser beam of spirit-given conviction, he says, you killed the author of life. Now, I love the term author of life. I want to unpack that just a little bit right here. Um, sit and think on that term for a moment. The author, the author of life. Uh, the author of life in the Greek, it's a phrase that means first cause or occasion. It uh, denotes someone of preeminent position, a one who begins something, the first in a series. The author of life was someone who was uh, never at the back of the line giving orders. It was someone always in the front, leading, setting the example. Jesus is the author of life. I want you to look at some of these verses saying this. is so awesome. Um, he is the firstborn over all creation. Um, that means preeminent one. He is the supreme one over all creation. Um, all things, I just love these verses. All things were created through Christ and for Christ. All things. All things were made through him. Everything was made through the glory and person of Jesus Christ. And just in case you didn't get that, and without him was not anything made that was made. There's a few more verses I want you to see here. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Life is found in Jesus Christ himself. Turn to him today. Um, he is the heir. He is the heir of all things. All things. None like Jesus. And he upholds the universe um, by the word of his power. Um, all things were made through him and for him. Uh, watching um, a nature show this week again. Some are, I love nature shows. You know that about me. And you're watching on there. I'm learning on nature shows, learning about creatures that had never before been um, discovered until now. And the intricacies and the complexities and the beauty and the, I mean, mind-blowing details of one little aspect of creation, which is more than the human mind can comprehend. And I love, I love forcing anyone with an earshot around me, particularly my kids, to say, man, do you see, do you see how awesome God is? And this is all for Jesus. And it's for Jesus. And Jesus did this. He did this. He created all of it. All of it. It's a wonder. It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. He's the author of life. The world doesn't want to hear it, but the Lord continues to proclaim it. He's the author of life. And listen, our sin killed the author of life. But God's power raised him because he is the author of life. I mean, who here, even right now today, you need to surrender your soul to the author of life, Jesus Christ. He is, he is the answer. He is awesome. And Peter's like, hey, you got to know. You killed him, but you can be raised by him. There's only one who holds such glory and power in life. Secondly, this, number two, faith, repentance, and revival in Jesus. Faith, repentance, and revival. So Peter really, he's just warming up, man, man, the Holy Spirit's using him. Verse 16, he says, this we are witnesses of, and then verse 16, and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know and the faith 
That is through Jesus. Look, look, look at Peter. Look at how intentional. He's like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's awesome. What a lesson for us. Through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. How about that? And look at Peter directing attention away from even the healed beggar. And he's certainly directing attention away from the apostles or himself. He just keeps holding up Jesus. Why? Because through Jesus, this man has been given perfect health. Notice how given perfect health through faith in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Oh, the name of Jesus. Amen, church, loved ones. The name, the name, ever tire, ever tire saying, thinking, praying, singing the name of Jesus. This whole world has been changed by the name of Jesus. I find myself often drifting towards choruses. I want you to look at this chorus here. Um, kind of when I, growing up with this, I didn't appreciate it. After you get saved, Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel. God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. Um, Jesus, name above all names. Um, when you sit and stop and be still and understand how glorious this is, it's just, it's just, it's so wonderful to sing and to reflect and to take in and to absorb. And I just encourage you, man, like today, like just, just, just take a moment, just, just stop. Like, like, like just take a moment and be still and just find a quiet place and just, and just consider and reflect on the beauty and the glory and the power and the and the revival that is found in Jesus Christ. You guys know this song? Okay, we're going to sing it. Okay, I'll start us off and you kick in right away, okay? But listen, as we do this, as we do this, like just let it be a time of worship. We'll, we'll sing it through twice. We're not in a rush here. We're not in a rush. These moments are precious. Ready? Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior. That's right. Glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living word. Let's do it one more time. You can close your eyes. Jesus, name above all so beautiful, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, yes Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, yes Lord, blessed Yes, Lord, I, I, I just more, 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 more. The more we get our eyes on Jesus, it lets us on the world. The more we feel satisfaction, the more we have the purpose, the more we see the meaning of life, the more we know his joy, the more we find ourselves not concerned about self, but concerned about him. Simple practices that go so far. The Holy Spirit will never turn down the desire to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. It just doesn't happen. I want you to see what Peter does now, though, in verse 17. And just the theology here is so rich. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers. Okay, so verse 17, the responsibility of man in murdering Jesus. 
even though it's an ignorance. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, Stephen being martyred said something very similar. And yet, and yet, they did not fully understand what was happening. But look at verse 18. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer and thus be fulfilled. See what's happening here? In verse 17, man is responsible for killing Christ. In verse 18, uh, God is sovereign over it. So here you again have in the Bible, the Bible teaching, two, this is very important, okay? If you want to grow in Christ, the Bible teaches both. What? Number one, man is responsible. We are responsible for sin. We are responsible for receiving Christ. At the same time, the Bible teaches in the same passage, sometimes in the same verse, God is sovereign over all of this. God is sovereign. God promised and predicted that the Christ must suffer and these things through the prophets would be fulfilled. God is sovereign over everything, and yet that does not get us out of our own responsibility for the sin that we are. If you wrestle down these theological concepts too much, your brain should hurt, and praise the Lord for that, okay? Spurgeon said, the responsibility of man and the sovereignty of God are two parallel tracks that will intersect in heaven, okay? When we get there, we can sit down over coffee and kind of, oh, that's what how it'll be for now. I don't mind not being able to fully explain that I'm responsible, but God is sovereign. I love them, and I leave it up to God in the wonder of his glory that I'm this finite, tiny creature, and God is infinite and so majestic, and his knowledge is far too profound for all the human minds combined to come up and try to position him to give an answer. I'm glad someone said amen there. That's good. Watch the grace of God in verse 18. This is amazing. As one commentator pointed out, Peter goes from prosecuting attorney, you kill the author of life, to defense attorney on their behalf. That's amazing. How strange and how wonderful this is. So the same message of condemnation, you killed him. Includes an invitation to redemption. I mean, this, this blows me away, right? So you killed him. But the fact that he died is the way that you have life. You're like, what? That's how awesome our God is. Our sin killed Christ, and yet his death was necessary that we might live. Look at verse 18. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That's beautiful. Uh, John Stott says this about blotted out. The Greek term is um, exalifo. It means to wash off, erase, or obliterate. Listen carefully. It is used in the book of Revelation, both of God, who wipes away our tears, and of Christ, who refuses to erase our name from the book of life. Um, William Barclay explains this uh, through the illusion on the screen for you. He says this. Ancient writing was upon papyrus, and the ink used had no acid in it. It therefore did not bite into the papyrus as modern ink does. It simply lay on top of it. So to erase the writing, a man might take a wet sponge and simply wipe it away. Just so when God forgives his sins, he will wipe the slate clean. That's beautiful. So remember, the reason, because Jesus wiped away our sin at the cross... One day soon, Revelation says, Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Every tear. And the only reason every tear will be wiped away is because he has wiped away our sin once and for all, forever. Fully dealt with on the cross of Jesus Christ. Again, if you came in grumpy, I pray you're more grateful now. 
I pray you're starting to see, wow, I mean, like every sin of mine has been wiped away, and one day soon every single tear of mine will be wiped away because of Jesus Christ. That day is coming and coming soon. Oh, don't give up. Don't give up. So worth it. So worth it. Fight the good fight. Suffer for Christ. Choose to be rejected in the light of being accepted by Christ. Choose to be rejected by society in order to be acknowledged and loved and counted as a child of God for all of eternity. It's going to be good, man. It's going to be good. And think of the power of the gospel in this moment. You killed him, but his death will bring you life if they would just repent. Now think about this. Peter's like, if you repent, even though you murdered the author of life, like it doesn't get much more serious than that. If you repent, you will be forgiven. You know, you're thinking about this in the, in the early church and you have people who literally were there in the killing of Jesus and responsible for that physically on the scene and God still did revival through their hearts. This is really good for me. I mean, as bad as the days are getting in our day, do you not think that God can move in our day as well? I mean, do you not think that God can, can move among people in our day as bad and as awful as it is and whatever, that he can move and radically? Of course he can. Of course he can. Come on, Robbie, have some faith, man. Have some more faith. You know, like Kanye West and stuff, like more of that. I don't care if celebrities get saved, man. I'm not, I don't care at all. You know, people, God, have mercy upon person after person after person. They might know that Jesus Christ is Lord. He can do anything in our day. I just imagine as Peter's preaching this sermon, he just must have been so rushed with the Holy Spirit of God, the clarity, the crystal clear clarity of what he's saying and notice the result of this. I love this so much. If you look there in verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Okay, okay, notice, notice. Okay, I believe this is ultimately fulfilled in eschatology, meaning when Christ returns. But we know this. Times of refreshing come when someone is saved. You are born again. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. We also know this, times of refreshing come in sanctification. There are special times of grace. I believe we experienced them this past week at the Stand Firm Conference and many, many, many times again within our church recently. Whatever. But listen, I want you to, times of refreshing come from where? Look at the text, look at the text, right? From the presence of the Lord. So we don't drum up refreshment. We don't work for refreshment. Uh, we don't have some kind of religious formula for refreshment. Spiritual refreshment comes from the presence of the Lord. And listen, those times are coming soon. That time ultimately is going to be revealed to a man again. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Hey, young men, can you imagine times of refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord? Can you imagine that happening if you are born again alive in Jesus Christ? That is going to be so awesome, man. You try to, try to conceive that. Put the video games down for a couple of seconds, and you see Jesus Christ and what he's worth and who he is. Unbelievable. Unbelie I wish someone did that to me in church, by the way, when I was, how old are you, like 12 or something like that? 10? You're 10? Okay, I, wish, I wish when I was 10, someone came up to me and just said, young man, young man, if you love Jesus Christ, you know the presence of God, man, that might have helped for me just... Anyways, I'll move on to something else now, all right? <laughs> Times of refreshing are coming from the presence of the Lord. And so we, loved ones, we ask. Like we know it's coming. But in the meantime, you, you, you know. You're alive in Christ. You know. There is nothing that equates from the presence of the Lord. Nothing. 
Nothing comes close. Longing, praying, yearning, desiring. And when it happens, oh Lord, Father, would you, Father, would you grant that to us? For your church, we need you, Lord, like we need you so much. We can't do this apart from you, and yet we long for the day when this will all be fulfilled. Repent and turn, therefore, the times of refreshing. They come from the presence of the Lord. I wonder if you're here right now and you've been in sin your whole life and you repent from sin and turn to Christ. You do both. You, your sin is killing you. You turn from your sin and then you turn to Christ. And times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. How awesome that is. And all, listen, all of this is only found in the person and presence of Jesus Christ. So thirdly and finally this, um, Listen to Jesus and be transformed by Jesus. There's revival in Jesus, the glory and the powers in Jesus. And now look what Peter does here in verse uh, 21. So if you look at again, the last part of verse 20, um, the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, the second coming, Jesus, listen to verse 21, whom heaven must receive, that's now, until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his prophets, holy prophets. That is awesome. He's in heaven until the time for restoring all things is to come. That's going to be a good day. And then notice what Peter does now. Filled with the Holy Spirit, doesn't have a Bible open in front of him. He's just so alert and alive in the things of it. Now he just starts quoting scripture again. Uh, Moses said, Quoting Deuteronomy 18, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. Now, here's what Peter's doing now, okay? He's like, this Jesus is so awesome, all the prophets prophesied about him. What he's doing now is he's showing his entirely Jewish audience that everything they've ever longed for culminates and climaxes in Jesus Christ. This is what he's doing right here. He's like, <coughs> Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him. I'm telling you here today, if you want life, you got to listen to Jesus Christ. And whatever he tells you, I notice, and it shall be that every soul who does, here's the warning, and every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Okay, again, again, like this is the reality of love. Love tells you what's true. Love says Jesus gives you life. Love also says to reject Jesus gives you death. Verse 24, And all the prophets who have spoken from him, Samuel, and those who came after him, also proclaim the... You know what Peter's doing? All the prophets, point, everyone points to you. Everything uh, is found in Jesus. And if Moses and Samuel weren't enough, then he drops this bomb, Abraham. You are the sons of the prophets of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham... And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. So the blessing of the covenant, every Jewish person listening would be completely in tune. Every Jewish person fully understand. We know what the covenant of blessing, how serious that is. It's, it's, it's fulfilled in Jesus. And then look at verse 26. God, having raised up his servant, Jesus, sent him to you first, to the Jews first, to bless you, how are we blessed? By turning every one of you from your wickedness. Um, I'm okay to be second in line for this blessing, are you? Okay? And maybe you're, um, you're a Jewish here right now, and awesome, God bless you. You, you were first for this message. 
but for the rest of us who are Gentiles, I'm okay being second man as long as it comes. The, bless, the blessing and the transformation that is found in Jesus Christ are turning away from wickedness to love him. Now listen, listen. Let's end where we started, the author of life, the author of life. There's no other person who can be called this. No other person can deliver this. The author of life, he is glory, he is purpose, he is revival, he is forgiveness, he is life, okay? Jesus, Jesus, name above all names.